Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is Thursday. Uh, what day is it? April 29th. It's Thurby around here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's not Thurby in Columbus, Ohio, because if you, little known fact, if you move away from the city of Louisville, you're actually not allowed to celebrate Derby anymore. It's something that Dan Snart has found firsthand over the past few years because he's a defector. He's a loser. He's an Ohioan now. Uh, Dan, how does it feel to not be able to celebrate Derby anymore? Dude, this sucks. Like, it really does. Like, it's just uh, totally, like, no magic in the air. There's, like, something about Derby Week. Like, it is impossible not to be in a good mood when you're living in Louisville. Um, during Derby Week, there's just always stuff going on. I miss going to like, – me and you used to go to the backside when I lived there during the week, so we miss that. But, I mean, you bet your bottom dollar that I'll be ready these next two days. Yeah, we went to the uh, we brought Virginia out to the track for the first time. She'd never been to Churchill Downs, uh, obviously, because she was born in the middle of a pandemic, pretty much, or right before a pandemic. So we took her out Tuesday morning to see the horses. She's a big fan. Uh, right when we walked in, we saw Milfoy. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a I think a yeah. French or it's pronounced. It's spelled differently than it's pronounced, but it's an Oaks horse. It's coming from the outside post. It's number fourteen. She was all about the horse. The rider came over and like let her say hi. We were the only ones out there. And then we went up to the track. Uh, Milfoy was working and like came right over again, like right to her. So she got to see her up close. So feel like that's got to be our Oaks pick. But it's fun to get out there. Um, we should. You mentioned we used to go to the backside together. Uh, I brought you in when your son. How old was Cam when we did that a few years ago? Oh like man, him? let's see. Justify one in two thousand and eighteen, I believe. So he was four. So we went to the backside that year, got to see you know, a bunch of cool shit. He got bit by just, by Justified Training Horse. Sonny. Sonny's show pony. Like, the guy was like, yeah, come over and feed him. And, like, there's kind of like a crowd around. And Cam just stuck his hand out with carrots. And old Sonny decided that he wanted an appetizer before the carrots and just absolutely went to town on Cam's fingers. And the look on Cam's face, like – it took me a minute to realize, like, the guy was the horse wasn't eating the carrots. He was gnawing on his fingers. Um, he goes, he goes but, Sonny bit me. <laughs> I don't like, oh, know. Like, I got a picture of the bite happening. And, like, you're smiling, holding him. And his face is just pure, <laughs> just screaming. I'm like, here we go. This is, this is why we shouldn't take kids to the backside. The best there was a story on him in the courier, like, a day later. And I was like, Cam, there's your buddy. He was like, I don't <laughs> like Sonny. <laughs> the other eventful part of that was he got to spend some some close time with Bolt Dioro. And as a result of that, like that's Cam's first derby horse. You, We, we went to derby together that year. You, I think, was it a pick four or a pick five bet? It, it was actually a pick three. And it was uh-huh. a close your eyes, like throw darts at the board because it was like a sloppy day. Um, so, but I'll yeah, let you finish the story. Yeah, you make this pick three bet. And the second leg, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, was the Pat Day Mile. And somehow you had like this like 55 to one long shot in your pick three that won the race. And I mean, again, just an awful wager on your part. You had Bolti Oro singled to bring home the pick three in the Derby, which would have netted you like what was like seventeen thousand dollars or something yeah over 17 grand for like a 60 dollar bet yeah the, the horses that won the first two were like 11 to 1 and i want to say 43 to 1 and then just because like we saw bolt Dora on the backside and got him close and personal for some reason i i singled him so needless to say it was a very nerve-wracking race I mean, the favorite has won like 35 years in a row at this point <laughs> and you're just like no I, i'm this confident in bolt Dioro. And, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out a way for you to hedge your bet. There's really no way. And as I will say, like, we're from our box, we're kind of past the finish line. So we can see the horses as they hit the home stretch and, and you know, head for the line. And Bolton, like, prime position, you're like, there he is. Here we go for a second. <laughs> like, you're, the enthusiasm that was just permeating from your being was off the chart. And then just, I, I think he just started walking about five seconds after that. It was like probably the the derby I least enjoyed watching because I was so zeroed in on that horse. Like usually like all derbies, I had my money spread over all these horses. And, you know, I, I kind of 
I'm like, oh, who's up there? Who's up there? Like, I was glued to Bolt Doro the entire time. And when he started to fade back, my life just faded away. We're going to talk, obviously, a lot of Derby stuff today. Mostly nothing in-depth or anything like that. We won't do the, you know, breaking down the every horse in the field and how they've run and uh, then give a pick who's one of the favorites at the end of the show. But we will talk some memories, answer some questions from Twitter, get to uh, some UofL news of the week. But one last uh, sort of backside story that I have to to talk about, only because I saw this morning Scott Satterfield posting, uh, I think, on, on Twitter about how he was back with uh, with his wife, Beth, and posting uh, pictures in the paddock area and, and all that good stuff. We have to mention another year that you and I went to the backside. I think it was, <laughs> I mean. It was uh, the big brown year. I remember specifically. It was, it was absolutely big brown. So I think it was 2010. Or no, it, it would have had to have been, I guess, 2009. Um, this was, Scott Satterfield was, not Scott Satterfield, Steve Cragthorpe was a dead man walking at this point. And you and I are walking on the backside. We spot Cragthorpe pretty early on. And, I mean, this is the – it's the biggest week of the year in the city of Louisville. This is the head football coach of the Fighting University of Louisville Cardinals. You can see the damn stadium from where we're standing. He, he should be a big deal. Nobody wants to talk to this fucking man. Like, like, like people are going out of their way to walk like 50 feet away from him. He's a dead man walking at this point. The only people who are giving him the time of the day are uh, Eric Crawford and Rick Bozich, who I'm sure were trying to get quotes or something. So Craig Thorpe, like everybody at this point in time, Big Brown's done working out for the day. He's gone back to his stable. He's about to take a bath. People are gathering around. And Craig Thorpe, you, you know, pretty tall guy. He is, he's trying to get a glimpse. And these people behind us, we're standing like right next to him, are like, get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) At the head coach of the, you know, the football team in the city of Louisville. I was like, what other city in the world could have this happen where people are just shouting at this man who's paid millions of dollars to coach the most popular sport in this country, are, are just shouting at him to get out of the way so they can catch a glimpse of a horse. It, it was at that very moment that I knew Steve Cragthorpe wasn't going to make it very much longer. It was just like the most timid, like him on his tippy toes, like trying to peek over like, you know, a thrall of people. I'm like, dude, you're the head coach. You should be like up front, you know, front and center, exert your dominance. But no, he's just like another peasant in the crowd trying to tiptoe peek over it at this beautiful animal and me and you were just like cracking up at the entire scene. I'm pretty sure he did move too. He was just like like this, you know, 18-year-old kid who's got no idea who this man is and is just shouting at him. I think Craig Thorpe was like, "Sure. Like, yeah, like I'm this is my last year here anyway." But it just not that Scott Satterfield is at that point yet or anywhere near that point, but seeing his pictures uh, on the backside just kind of reminded me of that moment. Uh yeah, that was I mean, one of my favorite Derby Week memories still of all time. Before we get into more Derby Week and Derby Day memories, we should talk about the big news of the week as far as UofL sports are concerned. And there's been a few things, but nothing too big. Satterfield did talk to the media on Wednesday. He said absolutely nothing. I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I, I'm not, If I was doing a radio show, I would try to <laughs> stuff. But the man said nothing of any sort of substance. Like, it was just a meaningless press conference, but at least he's talking because um, we haven't heard from Chris Mack in like three months. I feel like uh, the baseball team, they had their series with Pitt over the weekend canceled because uh, Pitt had some COVID issues. They tried to find another opponent. They couldn't, uh, they had no midweek game scheduled for this week. So they're going to go basically a week and a half without playing games before this weekend's ACC series. Uh, Louisville volleyball made it to the sweet 16, got knocked out by Washington in an 11-6 matchup. We don't need to talk about who won that tournament, but uh, they had another really good season. And then I, I guess the big news of the week that we'll talk about here, Louisville basketball finds out beyond any shadow of a, a doubt now, Carly Jones has played his final game as a Cardinal. He comes out and says, signing with an agent and not one of those approved agent type deals with the NCAA, I'm going pro, not coming back. That means uh, it doesn't free up another scholarship because if Jones had come back, uh, because of this NCA rule, it would not have counted against Louisville's scholarship count for next season. But it does mean, obviously, that Louisville is still in need of maybe some backcourt help if they want to look around. I, I know there's a lot of talk about how this final scholarship is going to be used or if it's going to be used. But, Dan, just, I mean, 
clearly not a shocking announcement. I think most of us expected uh, this to happen, but still there was at least some hope that Carly could return for one more season. But now we know not going to happen. What's your initial reaction there? Very rarely are we actually caught off guard by these decisions nowadays. Um, I, I think we all thought that he was probably going pro, but there's still just that glimmer of hope where you have your fan goggles on. You're like, man, if he did come back, though. But, I mean, then you have to look at it from his point of view. You know, this would be his, what, sixth year playing college basketball. Uh, obviously, he's going to be putting money, you know, aside for a whole nother year. So, realistically, this is the absolute right choice for Carly. Nothing but respect for this guy. He was an absolute warrior this year. He was a dog. I'm so mad that we didn't get to see him up close in person. But, um, I mean, to me, uh, I'll definitely, when I think of, like, great Cardinals that I've seen in my in my lifetime, I'm not going to put him in, like, the top, you know, 10, maybe not even the top 15. But, um, I mean, he just had one special season that, that I'll remember for a long time. I think in – I know Kelly Dickey posted this, but I don't have it in front of me, so you can fact check me on this if you want. But I believe he wound up posting the ninth best single season points per game average in the history of global basketball. So that's obviously something. He was runner up for ACC Player of the Year, first team all conference, uh, did everything he could to make Louisville um, a, a pretty competitive team this past season. And it just Everything about the last two years has been weird. There's no way around it. And I think Carly Jones, unfortunately, is kind of going to go down as one of those weird footnotes where we're all going to obviously remember him fondly. We're going to remember his heroics against Duke both times, really, but especially in Durham. But there, it, it's just going to always be this what-if type deal and how it was such a shame that he never got to play in front of a packed KFC Yum Center and how he never got to play uh, in the NCAA tournament, at least for Louisville. I know he made it there one year with, with Radford. But it's just, it's going to be such a bizarre legacy. These one-year legacies are always strange as it is. I mean, even Damian Lee, as good as he was that one year and as good as he's been in the NBA with the Warriors now, it's still strange to kind of have this this claim on a guy who was only here for one season. And with Carleek, not only was it one season, it was, it was 20 games. Louisville only played 20 this past year, and it was just the most bizarre four-month campaign of Cardinal basketball any of us have ever experienced. And it ended on a, a sour note that that's never going to be rectified. So I, I'll always love him for what he did. I can't imagine how these how last winter would have gone had he not chosen to come here. But at the same time, it's just it's always going to be a it feels like we deserved more from our time with him. And not and I'm not saying like as as fans, like we should have gotten more, but everybody should have gotten more out of this this experience. And that's just never going to happen. But when you look at the roster now. I mean, you've got L. Ellis in the backcourt. You've got Jared West, the Marshall transfer. Noah Locke from Florida. Um, I mean, it's a, it's still kind of a strange roster. I like a lot of the pieces. I'm just not sure how they fit. And I, I think it, it, there's just going to be a whole lot of confusion about this team until we start hearing something from like summer workouts. I just, I don't know what to think about next year, Dan. Uh, I, anyone that you know <laughs> decides where Louisville is going to be preseason to me, they're just shooting from the hip because there's really no way to know with, with all the different pieces that we're going to have. I know, um, you know, I guess in the front court, maybe we know what we're getting a little bit um, with, with obviously with Malik and then some of these guys coming back, but there's just so many question marks. And like you said, it, it seems like the roster right now is in need of, maybe a playmaker. It's kind of a weirdly constructed roster, especially in the backcourt, maybe lack of a, a, a backup big guy. But, you know, this is what we have right now. Um, we have no choice but to, to trust the coaching staff at this point. Um, but, I mean, like we said, it, this is a big year, so they're going to have to make this work regardless of what we think of the pieces or not. Speaking of the coaching staff, I mean, we've been – I've been saying on the pod for – I guess a month now that Kale Fennell was going to be promoted from Dobo to one of the assistant coaches. We found that out officially uh, a couple of days ago. Louisville made that announcement official. Players responded really positively to that, and you should not be surprised because that's the biggest thing that that Fennell has going for him is he's wildly popular with the current players. I, I I think he'll be wildly popular with the guys that are coming in here. 
So that's going to be, I, I think that's, it was an obvious move for Chris Mack. He made it. And now all focus turns to what happens with the other assistant spot. Um, I think Taylor Barnett, I don't know if they've announced this yet, but he's going to step into the director of basketball operations role. There has been some chatter that he could potentially be uh, an assistant coach. Not sure if that's going to happen. Uh, we know, I mentioned the last pod, I think, that Mac has talked to, I think, two or three guys. Uh, Kenya Hunter was the first one from Indiana. He chose to stick around on Mike Woodson's staff. I've got, just being perfectly honest here, I've got no idea what happens with this final assistant spot. I know that there's also been some chatter that Mac may just leave it open and just work with a sort of a, I don't know, bizarrely constructed staff. No idea if there's any truth to that. I just kind of staying tuned. I, I do think it's interesting, though, that when they made the announcement about Fennel's promotion, it specifically included a, like a little nugget saying that Mac's not going to have, to have a press conference about this. He's going to wait until the other spot is filled or until they decide what they're going to do with that other spot. And that's it, it just seems it's so different. And I know that we're we're going on four years being removed from the Rick Pitino era. But it's just so different that we could have all these roster moves. The Carleek announcement, the Malik coming back announcement, Noah Locke coming in, Jared West coming in, a Gahan transferring, Josh Nickelberry transferring, assistants being fired, assistants being promoted. We haven't heard from Chris Mack at all. Like he he hasn't done any of these press conferences. Patino would have he would have done one after every <laughs> single announcement and talked for about an hour and a half about everything in the world during all of these. It's just it, it's so different. I would like to hear from Chris Mack at some point about all of this stuff. I know that there are a lot of questions out there. I guess I understand why he's kind of hoping that some things are are simmering or that, that he can have some things straightened out before he addresses the events of the last five, six weeks. But it's just it strikes me as odd that, that we haven't heard from him yet. I, I completely agree. And does Chris Mack owe us anything? I mean, he runs the team the way he wants to. So I mean, he's obligated not to talk to the media if he doesn't want to. But to me, after the way the season ended, I would think he would want to get into the uh, in front of the media and, and kind of go over some of these moves and how they're going to, you know, help our basketball program. Um, him not saying anything only kind of adds to this aura that maybe things could be a little shaky up there. It's just the silence right now is, is a little deafening. Um, but again, that we, we've known these past four years, like you said, this is just kind of the way that he operates. Um, he, he's not Rick Pitino, obviously, but as, as a fan and someone who's invested in the program, um, it's a little bit frustrating to be honest. I would, and I know that there are one or two ways, one of two ways you can handle adversity going into the off season. And Mac has chosen to handle it by kind of letting things die down a little bit, letting the fans you know, maybe get their anger out of their system or, or whatever has been going on for the past few weeks. But like, I'd like to be, I don't know, maybe comforted is not the right word, but like, I, I'd like to be reassured with all this stuff going on that we should be getting excited for next season. I know UofL put out a, a video on its Twitter page and their video department does an awesome job. They've been so good these last couple of years. But they had one, I, don't, I can't remember the exact wordage, but it was something along the lines of, even though you're not hearing from us, like we're still working. And it was just some quick clips of guys dunking and, and lifting weights. And everybody reacted to the, the JJ trainer who looks like he's put on 10, 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He's going to be the guy this year where it's like he's going to go from just okay to all American because he put on a bunch of weight. But that got people roused up. But I don't know, man. Like this is such an important season for Louisville basketball and for Chris Mack in, in particular. I'd like to kind of have him get out and, and control the message and, and talk a little bit and and get people excited as opposed to kind of letting things simmer down a little bit. And I don't know. It, it's just we going back to something that we've mentioned so many times over the past month and a half or so. There just seems to be this listlessness uh, amongst a large part of Louisville fans that hasn't really been there at any point in my life. Maybe, maybe you know, I don't know what it was like with the secondary sports back in the, the 90s and the early 2000s, but since, you know, baseball got going and, and football really took it to another level and all this stuff, like, I can't remember Louisville fans being this just sort of, <sighs> I, I don't even know, like, what's going on. 
And again, if you're listening to this, this probably isn't you because the diehards are going to be diehards regardless. They're going to tune in. They're going to be excited. They're going to be planning their tailgates all summer long. But the average fans and, you know, Dan, some of our I think some of our friends kind of fall into this category where it's just they represent the average fans. They're not going to to live and die with every recruiting nugget. They're not going to get all that excited. Those people are just kind of like, man, give me something to get excited about. You know, is football going to be that good this year? What, what is Scott Satterfield really selling me? Last year was kind of an abomination. Men's basketball, we're not competing for Final Fours right now. We don't seem like we're even a second weekend program. When's that going to change? We know we got the more NCA stuff coming up. It just seems like, man, like, like there's just a little bit of a wait and see amongst this fan base. And that's been going on for way too long. One of these, one of those primary programs, men's basketball or football, has to provide a spark, has to provide a jolt. And I, I don't know when it's coming. That's all I can say. I, I yeah, I mean, our minds, when it comes to basketball, as a fan, our minds have been so trained for having Rick Patino as our coach all those years. And he's kind of a larger than life figure. So even if like the basketball program, maybe, you know, the roster was getting a little bit stale or, you know, there wasn't high expectations for the team. You know, you always had Rick, you always had the press conferences. He, he kept things interesting. And with Chris Mack, you know, he just is very methodical uh, in the way that he does things. And um, coming off a, a season where there's no doubt disappointing not to make the NCAA tournament, um, it, it just, like you said, there's there's really no juice right now outside of the program um, if you're looking into it. Uh, and I don't know what's going to change that. It, it, maybe we're going to have to wait all the way until the season starts um, cause I don't think there's going to be uh, an impact, you know, move from the roster. I, maybe we'll have like a, 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 big name as an assistant come in, but I would highly doubt it. So like you said, controlling the message is a big thing. It, it, it doesn't seem like he's doing that, but maybe he's just taking the opposite approaches. Hey, no talking this year. It's, it's all going to be work and we'll just have to wait and see the results. So the last thing I'll say here, and then we'll move on to more fun stuff with Derby talk, but unexpected success at unexpected times is one of the greatest gifts that a athletic program, coach, team, what have you, can give a fan base. And we've experienced this firsthand. I mean, even if you just want to go back a couple of years ago to Satterfield's first season, like that, there was a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of excitement about uh, this past season, kind of before the pandemic stuff started. He was wildly popular because he won eight games and was ACC coach of the year when we were supposed to be a cellar dweller that year. Charlie Strong's first couple of seasons. We didn't expect that type of success right out of the gate. And it happened. The, I mean, even like the, the bridge year, the Preston Knowles season was one of the most fun years we've had following Louisville basketball. Um, or if you want to go to the, to the 2012 postseason run, nobody was expecting that to happen. And it almost made it more fun than if we'd been like a number one seed going to the final four of that year. If Mac or Satterfield can deliver well over expectations this season. Like, I think that's that sort of spark that gets everybody geared up and ready to go for the future, but it's got to happen. I'm not uh, reinventing the wheel here to say that eventually it all comes down to, to wins. You've got to, got to fucking win some games. Like I, I love hearing the right things. I love the culture talk. I love, you know, the, the videos, the off season stuff at the end of the day though, Got to win some fucking games, and that's uh, that's that's where we are right now. All right, do you do you have anything else Louisville related before we move on to some fun derby talk? No, I'm ready for derby. All right, let's talk about derby. Uh, very excited about the week ahead. Before we look at Saturday and this weekend and all that good stuff, uh, I've got a question for you. What is your favorite non-derby derby festival event? Non-derby derby festival event. Um, God. I mean, we used to always go like we had buddies that had like a steamboat party um, in the neighborhood. That was always a good time. Um, I never really got into the Pegasus Parade. I was like a a thunder guy, I guess, growing up in grade school and early high school. Um, I, I if you, I would probably say Thunder over Louisville just because of you know, it, it is cool to watch no matter no matter what. But I mean, I'm old man yelling at the clouds here with how crowded it is downtown usually with that. 
I was a huge, huge steamboat race kid growing up. Like, <laughs> like was was upset, audibly upset. Would voice my my just displeasure that it wasn't covered constantly. That like the we had to get like updates in from the six o'clock news like periodically. I was like, just have a fucking camera on the boat race. And then my dad let me know that it was fixed, and it just it ruined everything for him. He's like, he's like, he's like the the Delta Queen is so much bigger. It's got more than the the Bell Wolf. If they ran a real race, of course the Delta Queen would win. I'm like nine years old. I'm like, God damn it! Like I, I've never looked at the Great Steamboat Race the same way. But that was always my favorite growing up. I wish just one year they wouldn't fix it, and they really did just race down the river. That would actually be fun to watch. The Bell destroyed the what well, it's now it's not the Delta Queen anymore. I think it's the Bell of Cincinnati it runs against now and apparently just destroyed it yesterday. I also kind of miss the Great Steamboat Race and the post position draw being on the same day. And yeah, you about this for years, the post position draw could be so much more. They could do so much with that. Like I have always said, give me a WWE style song <laughs> for the horse. And then have the actual horse come down the ramp with their owners, like a hundred percent. Like that, they really could just blow that thing out and make it awesome slash hilarious. I mean, Steve Asmussen coming down to like the the Ass Man song from back in the day, like <laughs> I'm an Ass Man, and there's like <laughs> oh yeah, like coming down with the latest twenty five year old that he's dating on his arm with, with, with whatever horse it is, like that would be just awesome, like faking out like reaching for post position number two and then like throwing the card up in the air and taking post position 11 like it, it could be so much more than it is but uh, do you do you remember the year god i don't even know what year it happened i want to say it was in like early 2000 or late 90s like john asher rest in peace he was um doing the they used to like uh i, I i'll be dead honest i don't even know how they they do it now but they used to have the pills that they would pull out with the numbers on them and then they would like draw the horse's name out of whatever hat well they messed it up like and they didn't even realize they're like midway through that they totally butchered this whole yes. thing like they were they were like missing one of the horses or something and they had to redo it i was like oh i was like oh boy this is this is a tough look because you always want to take pride in your city during derby week i remember just cringing watching that like oh god this is a disaster it was very drunk at 2 a.m. doing our fantasy <laughs> after all. Yeah, like, yes. We forgot Chad's name. Like, uh, like God, it's like, it's like, do we just give him the fifth pick now, or do we have to do this whole thing over again? Like, that's, that's exactly what it was. Going back to my point that this could all be so much better. It could be so much more organized and so much more effective. It could be something that people tune into, but instead it's just over. And then it used to – I don't even know if they do this anymore. They used to <laughs> – They'd walk poor Mike Battaglia up to the, the <laughs> microphone, and he would give the most lifeless morning line on. He'd be like, oh, he really this. just start rattling names. Yeah. Birdstone, 33 to 1. <laughs> Empire Maker, 5 to 1. We're like, I'm like, oh my. I'm like, give me something, Battaglia. Oh, God. That is so accurate. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it could be so much more if they really wanted it to be. Can I tell you, I've, I've got to tell this too. I know you know this already, but I, I sent you the copy of the text. My mom, my, my mom knows everybody in Louisville because she she taught Lamaze classes for a long time. She tutored kids forever. She's worked at a preschool forever. So if you have kids in the city of Louisville, there's like a 75% chance you've run into my mom at some point. So she's had like a, a bunch of high level athletes here, a bunch of big time sports figures, either with kids at her preschool or who have taken her Lamaze class. Shout out to Mick Cronin, Lamaze class graduate. Kevin Willard, uh, David Akers, who my mom, the whole point of the story is she knows nothing about sports. And one time, David Akers' wife told my mom that she was he was going to have to miss class because he was, quote, kicking in the Pro Bowl. And my mom asked if that was a soccer thing. And <laughs> she, she had just like, oh, he kicks for the Eagles. Mom was like, oh, like a soccer team? I'm like, oh, my God. But uh, so she sent me a text this week and was like, apparently the favorite for the Derby has a kid in our uh, school. So will you make a, a bet on him for me? And I was like, Brad Cox's son is at your school. Mom's like, yes, you've heard of him. I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's a big deal. I'll make your two dollar win bet on the favorite for you on Saturday. No problem. But I was just like, God, mom, like at some point you would have thought that all the sportsness 
in our household would have rubbed off on her, and it just hasn't. God love her. Virginia is just incredible. She just goes about her day. Just doesn't doesn't matter who you are. She's going to treat you the same. What is the worst Derby horse that you have backed? Because you and I have both backed some bad ones over the years. We like to we like to not just pick the favorite. We always like to have a horse that we kind of make our own during this week. What's the worst one you've ever picked? So I'm glad you asked this. Like, because back in the day, like I feel like nowadays, like we're older, so a lot of it we're betting exotics, we're betting pick pick fours, and and it's almost like we've gotten away from like saying, hey, this is our Derby horse, and that used to be the funnest part. Like when we grew up, we're like this horse is winning the Derby, and like you know we didn't we weren't really into the exotics and much, so it, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit, but. When when we do narrow down to one horse, if I had to pick my worst one, um, God, a couple a couple years ago I picked Frack Daddy for I, I think he was like working well and he was just an I mean he got seventeenth was like absolutely not a factor in the race at all. Um, but I, I remember when you had the radio show, I was out at Church Towns for work and. I was like, you guys were like, hey, you can come on real quick and for a segment. I was like, oh, my God, I was so nervous. So I get on there to talk, and you guys asked me who my derby horse was. And, like, I I act like I'm a trainer on the backside. I'm, like, talking about all these horses like I'm an expert. And I picked Whitmore, who, God love Whitmore, turned out to be an amazing, amazing sprint horse. But he got dead last in the derby. So that was the only time I was on the radio show I gave out a dead last derby horse um but yeah i'd say those two were probably my worst what about you well you know where i'm going um (laughs) this is i mean still the most eventful derby i've been a part of the most heartbreaking personally i've been a part of let's turn the clocks back to 2003 uh you and i are seniors in high school great time to be alive you're almost done with high school you've got your college plans you just you know you're coasting. You're feeling good about life. It is. It was this exact day. And I know because it's our, our mutual friend, Chris Karcher's birthday. Shout out, Kurt. Happy birthday. Um, happy and birthday. so it was this Thursday, April 29th, 2003. We went to Gaddyland on Westport Road, RIP, to, to celebrate his birthday. And I had been talking. This was probably the most derby research I ever did. Like just was following every prep race, all this research. Every day during resource at school, just tracking derby horses. And I was 100% convinced that Kefwain was going to win the derby. <laughs> so we're out at, for Kurt's birthday, and I'm playing air hockey. And I don't, it may have been you who came over. I think it was you because you were like laughing, and which pissed me off even more. You're like, Kefwain's out of the derby. <laughs> I quit playing the air hockey game. I scored on myself for the last goal and just walked away. I was so pissed off about this. I made the biggest panic, just harsh, rushed derby pick of my life the next day. I was like, I'm taking Brancusi. Steve Asmussen again coming up on the pod. I'm taking Brancusi. You had been, like me, you were equally sold on your derby pick, which was Funny Side. I hated Funny Side. I don't even remember why. It may have just been because you were so cocky about it. I famously claimed that I would come to school naked if Funnyside won the Derby. We go to the 2003 Derby. We enjoy illegal beverages. The Derby race happens. I'm Kefwain is a pace setter. He's out there. I'm like, or, I mean, not Kefwain, Brent Cousy. And they're coming around. We're watching on the old big screen on the backside, like the far turn. And I'm like, all right, Cousy's up front. Cousy's up front. And they pass. And I go, I literally go, Jesus, slow down, Cousy. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember that like it was yesterday. He was absolutely flying through that. Oh, I think, yeah, I think his fractions were like, oh boy, he's he's moving. About 10 seconds later, I believe he broke a ankle and finished dead last. But we were watching it. And as they turn from home, I mean, Empire Maker, who was the, the big favorite, is perfectly positioned. You're like, here we go. And then a horse comes flying out of nowhere. And you, I'll never forget you just screaming, that's funny. That's funny. Like, <laughs> funny. And then picking me up in the air 
<laughs> for the entire stri- like stretch run. You're like, oh my god. And I've never been. I mean, my horse DQ'd, pulled out of the Derby at the last second. My just totally rash second choice finishes dead last, and the horse that I hate the most wins. It was just awful. It, it was just it was just terrible. Oh, I was, I mean, I was absolutely floating in the infield. Like, I, I haven't felt that much elation through a sporting event, like, ever, because it's always Heartbreak City. Um, and then, yeah, we didn't even know that Brancusi had gotten dead, dead last till we, like, got home that night. You're like, Jesus Christ, he got dead fucking last. Um, like, you, you were, like, on the ground celebrating the win, like Jordan after with the ball after his dad died, after the NBA championship. And these guys are like, how much did this kid win? And you're like, I just really like him. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was I was still in high school then, so the bankroll really wasn't well developed yet. Um, but yeah, no, funny, funny always holds a special place in my heart. I'm still bitter. I, like he ran away with the Preakness, and then he got accused of uh, Jose Santos after Derby got accused of shocking the horse with like an invisible you know, something in his hand and then the Belmont, it rained and he didn't win. Um, but love funny, definitely my, my all time favorite horse that I've ever cheered for. The last thing about that O3 Derby is, you know, you and I, we leave the infield. We're doing the whole thing where we're trying to figure out how the hell we're going to get home. We ended up walking and getting picked up by like a, a friend's dad, like an hour and a half later. By the way, read the How I Got Home from Derby stories on Card Chronicle this year. They're very, very good. Uh, but you and it, we're outside Churchill. We're trying to figure out what our next move is. And we spot, I mean, the king of Louisville at this point in time, Reese Gaines. He's decked out in this baby blue suit. He looks incredible. I mean, this man is, is God in Louisville at this point in time. He's got like five very attractive women around him. We're trying to get his attention. We're like, Reese, Reese. He finally looks over. We panic. We can think of nothing to say. And you just go, Reese, I had funny side. <laughs> and he says nothing. Yeah, he really didn't. He just kept along, along with his day. Um, yeah, I thought about that for a long time. Uh, just getting completely ignored. That was like at the peak when we were like, um able to like spot random celebrities that was the same derby we were in the infield and from like i'm not kidding it had to be like 75 yards away i see this giant and he's this big bald guy and i'm like is that matt geiger like the former (laughs) nba player who played with the heat so like me and like my drunken state i was like geiger and he like turns over and gives like his hand up in the air i was like holy shit what a call that was when he um, out, I've never been more shocked. I'm like, there's no <laughs> way that Matt Geiger is just hanging out in field. And he was. Yeah. I, I would say, like, for all the dumb things that you do, the one thing that you're better at than anybody I know is spotting, like, C or D list celebrities. Like, people that I would never recognize. Like, when you nailed Drew Rosenhaus sitting in front of us at a Louisville football game when we were, like, seven rows from the top, I was like, is this a fucking joke? You're like... You're like, I think that's Drew Rosenhaus. I'm like, why is Drew Rosenhaus in section like 325 double Z? But that was him. It was, it was we, a couple of years ago walking out of Justify. I remember we ran to Matt Schaub. That's right. Holy <laughs> shit. Is, is, that, is that Matt Schaub? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that, that's come from uh, that training has come from. I, I used to valet park cars at, at Churchill Down. So I would randomly see uh celebs like walk out and stumble out i remember steve young coming out uh derby one year absolutely hammered i remember rick coming out hammered one year so uh there there was some uh god yeah being a valet parker on derby day i did it from like 2000 like my first one i think was the was it the smarty jones year or no it was right it was the giacomo year was my first one and I did it like for four years. So it, w- it was always a fun day. I always got to sneak in and get a good seat for the races because I had like my Churchill jacket on and no one would ever question you. Um, but I did miss out on all the shenanigans. You guys would like go in and be partying. I'd be working in the parking lot. I kind of forgot you did that. That was a bad call on your part, but whatever. Um, yeah. I've got to ask you this because Mary and I were talking about this on a, one of our walks the other night. Every time that I smell 
cigars. Doesn't matter good cigars, bad cigars. Doesn't matter outdoors, indoors, wherever it's happening. I think about Churchill Downs, and I think specifically about the walk from like when you get in to the tunnel going into the infield. Like I, I, I can't smell cigars without thinking about that. I know Freedom Hall, that smell does things to a lot of people. I, am I alone in this? Because Mary was like, no, I don't, I don't really think like that. But every time I smell a cigar, it's all I can think of. A hundred percent, and it's it's awesome because you like you spend the whole day kind of pre-gaming. Um, you start to get a pretty big buzz, and then it seems like the ride over, whether you know we've done it where we've gotten rides, taken Ubers, taken buses. Um, it, it, it's kind of a blur. It's just like so chaotic, and then like by the time you finally get in and you, that cigar smoke hit, hits you in the face, you're like, all right, like you know it's time to go. It's time to start putting some money on the line and um yeah that's i i, I totally enjoy that smell i had a streak and i, and I guess i can say this now because what are they I, i've given them way more money than i would could ever possibly take from them but i had a streak of sneaking into the derby like seven years in a row where, i forgot about that yeah this was, <laughs> it was a big me and a couple other guys and i say sneaking in as if it's some sort of like elaborate ploy we would literally look at the for the turnstile where there wasn't somebody working and taking tickets and just crawl underneath it and and just like when somebody would like say something you'd you'd be like just go don't look back just go just go just go i mean the last time i did it i think i actually had a pass i just wanted the rush of getting in there but um when you're a like a 20 year old kid and you save 50 bucks you feel like you've got like i feel like i could wager like three thousand dollars in the next race you feel like you've said in in reality it's like four beers once you get in there but it was uh like that was my my big thing for a while there was just sneaking into derby and then i remember like the jubilation i would feel when like i would be successful in sneaking alcohol in i was like if they were like you can delay getting your driver's license for a year if you sneak this alcohol in success. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I will hundred percent put it off. Like I have to have this alcohol in there as a young underage kid. And then when you did, you're like, Oh my God, I'm king of the world. I got caught the first time I ever tried to do it. I'm like the only person who's ever been caught taking alcohol into Churchill. And then the second year I did it, it like exploded on my leg when I taped it there. And so like, I, I think I just stopped doing it after that. Cause then after a while, you know, the girls would sneak it in their bras, and that was the easiest way to do it. So I would just have them sneak in those little vodka pouches or whatever. But getting caught was just, it was so humbling. Uh, you know, you try to make jokes about it, but it's embarrassing. Everybody else is just walking through. And I, the thing is, like, once they get you with one little bottle or whatever, they know you've got more. So I'm, like, pulling it, like, out of, like, my hat and, <laughs> like, my underwear, <laughs> like, my shoes. Yeah. It's just coming from everywhere. I'm like Michael Scott turning in his guns at the uh, improv class. I've just got like, it's just coming out of everywhere, but whatever. Uh, All right. Do you want to take a couple Twitter questions here before we call it a show? Yeah, let's go ahead. All right. We asked for Twitter questions. Uh, First one coming from Carrie Luckard, who says, who wins one-on-one dunking Cardinal bird or dunking big red? Dunking Cardinal bird. Yeah. Dunking Cardinal bird a hundred percent. So that's no question in my mind. Jack says, is it a sure thing that Sam is going to come back next year or is there still a chance that he will transfer? I mean, I don't. Do sure things even exist in college sports anymore? I I feel I don't feel confident saying anything with 100 percent certainty anymore. I think that Sam's going to be back. I I know that there had been some buzz, one that he could potentially transfer uh, back closer to back home. That didn't happen. He ended up not going to Texas. And there was a there's been some talk that maybe he'll go wherever Luke Murray winds up getting a job. Uh, Luke Murray still has not found a, another another gig. So I've got no idea if there's any truth to that. But it certainly sounds as though Sam is going to come back. And a little bit more evidence of that is Noah Locke wore number 10 for several years at Florida. His three seasons there. When they announced that he was coming here, the graphic on social media that UofL produced had him wearing the number 10 jersey, which, of course, is Sam Williamson's number. And then it was officially announced last week that Noah Locke's going to be wearing number zero. So that says to me, everyone's expecting Sam back, and we need him. There's no question. Yeah. I, I would be very sad if, if Sam went somewhere else because I, I do feel like he turned a very big corner from just a basketball standpoint last year and a maturity standpoint. And not that, uh, you know, I'm just expecting him to take one more step and, and turn into kind of that 
star leader that that maybe we always thought he would turn out to be. I mean, because he he has the game. I wish he shot it better from three, but I mean, we we know what he's good at. He he improved the things that he needed to, which is like rebounding and and going after the ball. So I'm I'm excited for Sam next year. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And the good thing about having more shooters with next year's team, like Locke and West and and Matt Cross, I know there was some talk that maybe Sam was upset that we brought in Matt Cross, but the good thing about having those guys out there when they're out there with Sam is it should create some more space for him to do what he does best, which is kind of be a slasher and use that mid-range jumper, get to the rim, um, and finish there. So you'd think that the offseason moves would benefit Sam about as much as anybody for next year. So here's hoping, yeah, that he's he's locked in and ready to go and has a monster junior season. Love this question. Michael Zimmer says, if you could name a horse anything from Saved by the Bell, what would the name be? Can I... My Go initial, first. I got to think about it. I know there's something better than this. My initial thought was Big Pete, who is my favorite. The the dweebs, the background dorks from Say by the Bell. Um, I, a horse named Big Pete, I think, could work. But that's – I probably need to workshop this. I, I could tackle this question for like two hours. How about the Rigmas? Um, oh, that's better. Yeah, I like the Rigmas. I like Hawaiian Hideaway, um, the Attic. I don't know. Well, well, any of those three. Jeff from UCLA comes down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, good. I don't know. I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with the Rigmas. Patrick Hayden says, which horse is Virginia picking to win the Derby? And how big is her Twin Spires account already? Uh, yeah, we don't. She didn't have a Derby horse. We didn't. We didn't find one kind of like you had with Cam and Bolt Dioro. We mentioned we, we got the Oaks horse, but she's got a she's got to pick a Derby horse here. Her first birthday was on Bizarro Derby back in September, and I don't think we ended up having a horse for her then either. So we got to get on that. We got 48 yeah. hours. That happened. I I've been showing uh, Cam past old rate like yet last night before we went to bed instead of the book we were watching uh old derbies plus going over who's running this year um he says he likes two he he likes 714 which is mandaloon essential quality i was like pretty pretty nice exacto there yeah yeah that's not bad at all i like that uh dom says if you had to choose between having a horse in the derby named after the podcast or never being tweeted at by a uk fan which would it be i mean a podcast (laughs) named horse in the derby would be Here's the thing about UK fan tweets. Like, I'm immune to it. When you get – I got an AIM death threat from a UK fan when I was still in college. Like, th- when, when that's your background, when that's your origin story, nothing can really hurt you anymore. I haven't been affected by a UK fan tweet in, like, 10 years. So I would absolutely take all the UK fan tweets for a podcast. I mean, what would our podcast named horse be? 100% it would be Go Car. Just C A R without the D A S. Like and how would that 100% would have to be our horse name. Um, yeah, if anyone out there has horse connections and wants to name it that, I will. Uh, I will chip in if you want me to. Yeah, Foley family, come on, hit us up, sponsor the pod, and get us a horse name. It could be. I mean, this guy. It, that could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be like yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, exactly. All, all the, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still think like having any sort of derby horse, whether it's your your name has to do with it, whether you have an ownership stake in it, like to me, that would be peak life. Like I can't imagine anything better. Syracuse Zone Buster. We could, I mean, the, the, we could have a whole stable. It could be fantastic. The, micro, the microwave. The microwave. Um, <laughs> You sent Josh Nickelberry to LaSalle. We should also probably mention that, too. You're the reason why he's playing in the Atlantic 10 for a bottom feeder now. That's all you. Fuck me. Yep, that was all me. I swear to God, ever since he hit that crossover step back, it's been downhill from there. But good luck to Josh. Brian says, if you were forced to eat 100 of something, what would it be? Uh, I mean, something small, obviously, like Skittles. You know what I could eat 100 of, probably, and that's not that small? My God, those Parmesan bread bites from Domino's, incredible. <laughs> incredible. You've always, you've always been a big – I mean, we could have a whole segment on, like, your Domino's drama 
when you moved and the Domino's guy used to show up to your old house. Like, you've always been a big Domino's guy. Um, if I had to eat 100 or something, I absolutely can put away a McDonald's breakfast burrito. Like, I've probably eaten 5,000 of those in my life. So um, would I be able to do it? No, but I, I crush those things. Yeah, when I moved houses and accidentally had Domino's delivered to my old house like three different times, it was embarrassing because, I mean, one, it's just it's a stupid mistake, but also like the, how much Domino's is this guy eating? Like it was, it was like three weeks in a row too. I was like, God damn it. Our friend Brandon, who he used to live with, like he still lived at the house that you moved away from. He's like, God damn it, Michael Domino's is here again. You want to come get your Domino's? I'm like, oh, fuck. And it was like just for me too. It wasn't for Mary either. I'm like, ugh. Um, Hank Tubbs says, any plans for live shows now that we've officially deleted, de- defeated COVID? And on that note, do we get a banner for beating COVID? Of course. Banners for everything. Get it up in the Yum Center. We did. like, And, and again, this just goes to how terrible the timing that both you and I have, really in all walks of life, but especially with the podcast has been. We had plans for a live show on Selection Sunday back in 2020 that I thought was going to be pretty cool. Some other sponsorship stuff that I thought was going to be a lot of fun. And of course, did not wind up happening. So no plans for live shows right now, but we can definitely make that happen. Uh, get at me. Hit up the email, micro 5 at AOL.com. I'll never change. I refuse to change. But live show would be fun, man. We need to make that happen. 100%. I think uh, I think we were born to be in a live show environment. So if, if that was ever on the table, I would definitely be excited. All right, here comes the generic radio in the city of Louisville Derby Week question that has to be t- tackled. You can't do a podcast, radio show, anything without bringing this up. Samson says, my question is, is there a more foul drink than the mint julep? I would rather have the bourbon straight up as opposed to adding mint. This is a, you know, people want to talk about this. Mint julep, thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, if I'm at the Derby, I will get a mint julep to say I got one. Do I enjoy it as much as bourbon on the rocks? No, not even close. But it's part of the, I mean, it's Derby, man. You got to have one just to have it. Um, but, you know, I'll drink one. And then from then on out, it's it's straight bourbon on the rocks. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It's, I'm not a big bourbon guy, period, which I think we've also talked about over the years. But it's, you and I are both too lukewarm on this. Like, I think it's fine. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world like some people do. And I also don't think that it's, you know, beyond criticism like other people do it, it's it's whatever i'm with you I, i'll have one and then probably just move on to stuff that i actually like more let's see here um celtic cardinal says if you could have said penis into a microphone at any moment in history when would it be moon landing oh i thought you meant like on like one of your radio shows or something any moment in history yeah um yeah i would uh I don't know. That question's like racking my brain. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. Like, what's a moment that I hated? Like a sport, probably when UK uh, won the national championship in 2012, right before the buzzer goes off. A horrible answer. I mean, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, penis. That's iconic. It's it's everywhere, forever. That would have been fantastic. You could, okay, maybe when Tiger made his winning putt in 97 and Man, Nance is like, a win for the penis. <laughs> there it is. A win for the ages. Yeah. Penis. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been a good one. I like how you only went to sports, though. Any moment in history and you're, you're thinking of sports moments from the last 25 years. I'm sorry. That's just how my mind works. All right, uh, we, we gotta, we're rambling on way too long anyway here. We'll give our derby picks out here in a second. Before we do that, do you have a day in the dump story for this week or is your bad? Uh, enough? It's it's not like over the top. Like uh, <laughs> I was in Indianapolis this week and my good buddy, Paul, who lives there, took me golfing, which was super awesome. I know Paul from college. He's a great guy. Um, I was kind of in a hurry rushing around to get there. We go up to one, hit my approach on the green. I'm like, all right, like, here we go. Time to time to putt and go to get my putter not my bag my kid 
that's the thing. When when you have kids, you don't realize like how much of their shit that you have in your garage they just take and throw all over the yard. Like getting there and realizing on the first hole you don't have your putter. And I'm left-handed, so I just can't like borrow his. Um, so it was kind of a big ordeal. He had to call someone to bring bring a putter down to the first tee. Kind of embarrassing, but um, yeah. If you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I actually was going to do, if we're going to do Mike and them, I had a big plan and it didn't work out this week because my wife has had a, a terrible work week. But actually, I wanted to interview Mary for a quick segment. I don't know if you've heard this story. I've heard it a billion times. So this, it's not going to be Mike in the mud. It's Mary in the mud for a Derby week theme. Mary, uh, she did like she wanted, she tried out for like the Derby princess thing, our senior year of college in 07. And she got first runner up and it, makes her more mad than anything even to this day uh if, if you just casually mention it which i do every single year and i'll do it in kind of like a i'm making a joke about this but i really just want to hear your rant again because i think it's hilarious type deal so we're you know walking the dog and the baby the other night and i'm like you know i really think you should have done derby princess i think that would have been something you'd be really good at and she's like ha 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 okay the fucking thing about it is though like she's still <laughs> the fact she does she, unintentionally she does the the sports fan thing where she one makes an excuse that's so extreme that it makes her think that she actually did win. And then two, it's better that it happened this way. Like everything worked out perfectly. So one, she mentions, and this would be so much better if I heard her telling it, cause she's got the very serious Southern twang and she gets all animated about it. But she was the only person there who like didn't know one of the, the the board members who choose the Derby princesses. So like it was amazing that she even got that close at all this stuff. And I mean, she said some other stuff that I can't repeat about <laughs> just the entire process. I mean, it's just it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. But then she always ends with I would have had to have missed Bellerman's senior week, which is basically like the last week before graduation there's different stuff to do every night. You pretty much just go out and get really hammered every single night. And that actually was that week was the first night that Mary and I met. Um, so she's like, you know, if I'd gotten Derby Princess, I probably maybe we wouldn't even be married. And I'm like, so she spins it into a way where it's like the biggest positive for her, but it still <laughs> makes her more mad than pretty much anything else that's ever happened. And it's the funniest thing in the entire world. You can look it up. She was a uh, first runner up for Derby Princess. I think it was I guess it was back in 07. But my God, just the that's the- actually cool. You know what we forgot to talk about? And like, if you're still listening to us by this point, you're a trooper. But uh, I, this could be for me and you probably more for you. The year that Justify won, we went to the Derby and we were walking in and my wife accidentally threw Mary's fascinator <laughs> in the garbage. <laughs> like we were drunkenly coming out of the car. It was pouring down rain. So like everyone was kind of like running in and holding ponchos and stuff and i guess like mary had given her fascinator to my wife to hold and kim thought it was like an old poncho and she just threw it in the trash can and we did not realize it till we got up there and poor poor you like mary realized her fascinator didn't make it in and you're like oh shit and uh, somehow mary being the trooper that she is went and got it out of the trash and my wife like had zero idea that she was the one that did it. And then like, it finally hit her and she was like, Oh shit, I think I did that. Um, but it was a great you, story. If that fascinator had not been found, that day would have been completely ruined. Like, like it would <laughs> the entire day would have been just to- Mary would have tried to put on a happy face, but her soul would have been gone. Her soul would have left her body. had she not found that fascinator and lo and behold, the press pass that I had that everybody gave me so much shit for, for bringing, <laughs> Save the day, because she very good. Take- oh, we call it, yeah, we call you Media Mike. Media Mike. Yeah, me, yeah, me, yeah. Media Mike saved the goddamn day. It was the only reason she was able to like go wherever she needed to go to go get that and get back in. Save the absolute day. All right, we've talked uh, more than enough here. Let's get to some picks. Um, I don't know if do you have an Oaks pick or do you just want to skip the Oaks and um, I, it's uh, what's the three horse? Her name is uh. Oh shit. The Curlin horse. Um, I can't think of her name. If you said it, I'd knew anyways. Uh, yeah, that's it. Claire. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. That one there. That's my pick. It's, I mean, if you're listening to this and you take that pick to the bank, then what are you doing with your life? Like that was the, yeah, don't, don't take our, our advice here for the love of God, or at least mine. Huh. 
Take mine. I, I feel really yeah. good about search results. Uh, I, I ran Ortiz. It's long overdue, and I always got the one spot for the Derby. I think he finally wins big at Churchill and, and wins the Oaks this year. I'm I'm fading the favorite, Malathat, or however you pronounce that horse's name. I like Clearer a lot, too. I'm going to probably exact uh, uh, the three and the 12 and then see what happens there. And then got to put some money on Milfoy just because that's Virginia's horse. But let's get to the big show. Derby picks. Official Derby horse. We usually do this with our friends like on Thursday. We'll do it for the podcast here. Who is Dan Snard backing for a Kentucky Derby 2021? I, don't, I, I say that because I couldn't remember the I think it's 147, but I'm not, I'm not, not confident. Who's your pick? God, I hate that. It's a, it's a boring pick. I'm sorry, but I just think Rock Your World is a monster. Um, I, I just, he looked so good last race. I get a lot of Justify vibes watching him. Um, I know he's lightly raced, uh, you know, his first two races were on turf, but he just looks so good. I would just kick myself if, if I didn't bet him to win and somebody else won. So that is my pick to win. Number 15, rock your world. All right. Um, it feels a little bit, it just feels dumb to be picking against the favorite when the favorite has crossed the line first every year since we've done this point system. The only time it hasn't won was, I guess, maximum security when he got DQ'd and country house won. So, but I'm going to do the same thing you're doing. I'm picking against the favorite. And not only am I picking against the favorite when history says I, I should, I'm picking against history entirely. I'm going highly motivated, becomes the first horse ever to come out of the 17 spot and win the Kentucky Derby. It's never only post position that has not produced a winner is the 17. I think highly motivated gets it done. I'm going to go highly motivated over essential quality. I do like Obezos a little bit, but the pace has to be just right for him to hit the board. I don't think he can win the race unless the pace completely collapses. Uh, I also like St. Hood as kind of a long shot just because there's always one horse or usually one horse that hits the board that doesn't have great numbers that the you know every analytic says should not be a factor in the race, but has kind of sl- like quietly progressed o- over their prep races. And St. Hood's his best two races have been his last two. I think he kind of fits the mold. Would not be shocked at all if he hits the board. But those are the four that I've got right now in my super, if you want to call it that. My super is Rock Your World, Essential Quality, Midnight Bourbon. And then I saw you tweet this yesterday, making fun of this horse. I actually really like him at 50 to 1. Keep me in no. mind. <laughs> I do. I really like no. this horse. I like. He's He had his training schedule all jacked up. Um, but he, he finished second in the juvenile behind essential quality. Um, he, he put in the best workout this week. Uh, Uh, I, 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 I'm telling you, I keep your eye on number four. Keep me in mind. I think he gets a piece. Keep me in mind socks. And it's not my, every year I do this, (laughs) I make my picks, but I also throw out my no fucking chance horse, my NFC horse. And it's not necessarily like the worst horse on the board. It's just a horse that I hate. And I feel like should not win. And this year, I'm not going with keep me in mind. Soup and sandwich. Get the fuck out of my face. Get out of here. You're done. Go away. Um, I say that while also having to say that I think my NFC horse has actually won three times in the last 20 years. One of those being funny side, which I did just to spite you. Uh, That was the original no fucking chance horse winner. But I don't like keep me in mind. I really don't like soup and sandwich, though. Yeah, I. Soup and sandwich could get out there, and you never know. Things get weird up on the front because you know he's going to be towards the front there. But um, yeah, I I would be surprised if he won. But I don't know. Like, I I just, for whatever reason, like Midnight Bourbon, I could just, that just sounds like a Derby winner to me. I feel like Steve Asmussen, bring him up again. He's due for a Derby. Um, For some reason, he's always been there in every race. I could see him being there at the end all right yeah there you go the other thing about this race you mentioned soup and sandwich getting out there to the front we've got no idea how the pace is going to play like there's no just obvious rabbit there's no horse that's going to definitely go right to the front um it's just it's a we know who the deep closers are we know who some of the the horses that want to be near the front are but it just it's a really really difficult race to predict just based on pace but uh, that's to make it fun we have to throw out the generic line every year you gotta say it it's gonna be a great betting race dan <laughs> it is gonna be great bet race great pick six um or pick five 
yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to lose a lot of money. And uh, I we we forgot to talk about this. Next week, I'm actually taking the fam to Disney World. A uh, little piece of advice for the listeners out there. Don't schedule Disney World right before you're about to load your Twin Spires account and lose all your money. Because um, it's got, like, I'm literally thinking, like, in my head, like, I'm going to be, like, coming up to the Derby race. And all of a sudden, like, I'm going to be like, okay, I got to get some more exactings in there. Like, thinking about in one side of my brain, like, a bourbonic hidden stash exacta. And, like, the other side of my brain, it's, like, my kids smiling, like, with like a $30 Mickey Mouse balloon, like running around. And then I'm like, just pressing okay on the bet. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it should be an interesting time. I'll report back with, with details. It's like 5.45 on Saturday and you're talking to Cam and you're like, you know, Lila's not even going to remember this if we do it. <laughs> is Cam even big enough to ride Space Mountain? Like this is... Yeah, it's like... <laughs> We could just go to the beach. I mean, like, we really don't have to go to the Magic Kingdom, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully, I, I would, I would love to get some extra cash going to Disney because um, I hear once you get there, you just lose sense of what you're even spending money on. Travel Magazine Quarterly actually just named Columbus the most desired vacation <laughs> station for 2021. Why don't we just stay here and spend the $500 on a late pick five bet? Uh, yeah, that's that's what needs to happen. All right, we've uh, we don't have time for I, I don't even know if we have any new new reviews yet. I didn't have a chance to check, but please subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do leave a review, we're probably going to read it on the air. Uh, if you have left a review and I haven't seen it yet, my apologies. We'll definitely get to it next episode. But everybody have a great Derby weekend. Hope you win some money. Hope you have some winners on Saturday and Friday and Thursday and and all the good stuff. But Dan, until we talk to you guys next time, go Cards. Go car.